I'd like to welcome you all to our church service here at Castle Hill this week. Uh, if you're a regular member, it's really great to see you. And even though I can't really see you, it's good to know that you're there. If you're a visitor, it's really good to have you taking part in worshiping with us this morning. Um, I hope you'll enjoy the service and that you'll find something that will encourage you, that will enlighten you, and that will empower you. I was thinking the other day of some things that I miss about not meeting face-to-face. And two things kind of came to mind. Well, they're kind of entwined, but two things. One is greeting people at the front door. And the second is just walking around the church and greeting people on a Sabbath morning. And one of the things I know that no matter what my week has been like, I could walk around and the smiles and the encouragement that I get from everybody just lifts my spirits. And that's something that I truly miss each week. I look forward to being able to do that again. Don't know when it's going to be, but you know what? I'm patient. And I'm happy to be patient and wait because I'm sure that at some point we're going to get together and it's going to be a party. This month we've been looking at the concept of letting go. We kicked off with Pastor Nick and he talked about letting go of stuff. Then Pastor Pablo took over and said, what about letting go of distractions? Then Mitch took up the reins and said, why don't we let go of bitterness? And last week, we had uh, Dr. Brian Craig talking about letting go of control, something we often find hard to do. And today, Zen is going to close out with the theme, letting go of your past. So I'm looking forward to hearing that and hearing what he has to say, because I'm sure it's going to be a really, really good service today. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure that we'll all be blessed as we worship God. Thank you very much. Good morning. The uh, topic for today is letting go of the past. It's a very interesting topic to me. And when, um, when I, was, I was handed it, I thought, oh, this, is, this can go quite a number of different ways. But when we think about dealing with the past, it can be very challenging. It can be painful. It can be emotional. I remember us preaching at... Um, a church once and this gentleman came up to me he was an older gentleman he came up to me after the sermon and he was telling me all these things that he was he was dealing with and um it turned out it was from his dad and I was thinking you know it's kind of unusual that your dad still has that kind of you know impact that you could hold this much angst in yourself and um I said to him you know how long ago did this happen and he said to me 50 years ago and I couldn't help it. I actually said to him, sir, I think you need to get over it. You need to move on. In Philippians chapter 13, Paul says this, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. The key thing here is moving forward. Now let's break down this morning just a few steps that we can take in order to move forward. But before we do, we need to understand that the past is done, but we can learn from it. The present is now. We need to live it. And the future is a choice. 
we need to choose it. So if we break this down into those three and we look at number one, the past is done. We can learn from it. There's a phrase, there's a, you know, a thing that people say often, and that is only a fool puts his hand in the fire twice. What issues are we dealing with concerning the past? People have been unkind, who have been hurtful, who have been destructive in our lives. Sometimes it's bad choices. Sometimes it's missed opportunities. Sometimes it's previous successes, you know, because we don't have the same success at this, at this point in time. The list goes on and on. What are the biblical strategies that are there to address these? Well, for people who have hurt us, it's forgiveness. You know, a lot of time and effort has been put into this subject, so I'm not going to labour it extensively this morning, but I don't want to miss things either, so we'll just make it quite concise. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 31 and 32, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I learned some things about forgiveness. Forgiveness releases the destructive and crippling emotions attached to the history of the situation. If you think through some of the things that you've faced in your life, Men and women think about it slightly differently. For men, if it's too hard, it kind of goes into this slush fund, which is essentially, I'll deal with it later. For women, when they're dealing with it, they think about the event that's taken place and all those emotions start coming back and they feel the pain and the angst and the anger and all of those things. And so the more that we dwell on them, the more they can hurt us. But forgiving releases that. Forgiveness does not excuse the other person. It simply releases their continued control over us based on history. When I was, a school, uh, when I was at school, I was the only coloured boy in that school for many years. And so I went to an all-boys school and um, it, was, it was a good school. And there were lots of people who were kind of, you know, very, very sporty and all that kind of jazz. But there was always a target now, if you were a little bit overweight, which I was, you were a bit of a target. If you were the only coloured person there, which I was, you were a target. If you were, you know, not so good in something and people found it funny, you would be a target. Well, there was this chap there, his name was Michael, and I don't know what started it. He just decided he wanted to have a go at me. And, you know, you take it for a long period of time. And it culminated that he decided that we were going to fight after school. Yep, can you imagine me fighting after school? Well, I didn't particularly want to, but I still had to go to the bus stop, and the bus stop was conveniently the location of the fight. Now, it had been known in the school that this thing was going to happen, so there was a bit of a crowd. And we got there, I was sweating, it was not in my nature to be a pugilist, to quote... Um, Paul McCartney, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And so it was really against where my whole being wanted to be. But I was now stuck in there. 
So Michael comes along and he starts doing his boxing thing and he, he throws a couple of jabs and I took it and I said, all right, are you happy now? Well, that didn't really help the situation. It made it worse. So he started throwing a few more and then he decided he was going to do like a kick. So he kind of swung around and he put his foot up and I don't know what happened, but I caught his foot and I thought, I've got his foot. What am I supposed to do now? So I kind of twisted it and he spun around in the air and crashed to the ground with this stunned look on his face. And everyone else started cheering and clapping, going, yeah, Zen, you beat him up. And I went, no, I didn't. I just dropped him to the floor. And, you know, there was all this stuff taking place because everyone around wanted that fight to continue. And I just said, dude, we're done. It's finished. It's over. Well, we could have had a choice to have animosity between the two of us. Michael and I, if we'd gone to school, we could have had this, you know, north-north repelling kind of magnetic action. But I just kind of figured, well, what's the point of that? We're in the same class. This is a bit silly. So we actually ended up just talking. We actually ended up being friends. Can you believe it? We never, ever spoke about the fight again. But years later, my dad had to deal with the situation. And would you believe it? The policeman who attended to the situation was Michael. And he actually said to my dad, Zen and I were good friends at Wilson's. What had happened? We'd both gotten over the situation. I'd gotten over being constantly jibed and, you know, I don't want to say bullied, but certainly being prodded. Michael had gotten over, you know, being turned in the air and chucked to the ground. We literally moved on. And that's what forgiveness is about. It's about moving on, going from point A to point B. In Mark chapter 11, 22, verses 22 to 25, it goes even further. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, be lifted up and be chucked into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. What a fantastic promise. However, the next word, the next verse starts with a but. So the but is a conjunction. It's con connecting that powerful outflow to something else. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Apparently, forgiving others is a part of the equation. If we want to have success to the max in our lives, we need to learn to forgive people. And notice the tense. Forgiving us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The tense is interesting because forgive us is in the present tense. It could be someone right now who's having a go at you, who's prodding you, who's hurting your family. We're supposed to forgive them. When we understand what is going on, we can take stock of it. When we look at Luke 23 verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness gives us the opportunity to behave as Jesus did. 
And then we deal with the present. The present is now, live it. When we're dealing with the present, we do need to recognise that the here and now is most directly related to the choices we've already made. Or to put it another way, our situation today is as a direct result of our choices yesterday. Sadly, the result of bad choices is rarely, or at a minimum, very difficult to change. Bad choices are super annoying as there is a flow on effect from them. In Proverbs 14 verse 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it is the way to death. Choices have results. What can we take away from these results? When I was very young, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was certainly sort of, you know, in that five or six year old age bracket. My dad got a new car. It was um, a BMW 2000. And I remember we were driving in this car. In those days, it wasn't as safety aware as it is now. So I was in the front, sitting on my mum's lap. And I was asking what the different parts of the car were. And I pointed to this one thing. And my dad said, that's the cigarette lighter. Now, in my childish brain, I'd only ever seen people lighting cigarettes with a match. So I was used to a flame. The flame ignites, someone lights a cigarette, and they start killing themselves slowly. Well, he said, I said, what do you do? He said, you push it. So I pushed the cigarette lighter in. And then I said, what happens now? And he says, you wait, and it'll come out. So I'm waiting. And all I'm doing is watching this little cigarette lighter thing in the car. And then it suddenly popped out. So I, I said, what do I do? He said, you pull it out. So I pulled it out. Remember, I'm like five or six years old or whatever I was then. And I'm confused because I'm looking at this thing and there's obviously no flame. And I said, how is this supposed to, to, to light a cigarette? And I said, there's, there's nothing there. He said, it's, it's really hot. Now, the problem is, as a child... You have to verify the information. So I remember holding in my right hand and I remember taking my index finger and touching the top of it with my left hand. Now, I didn't touch it for very long because it was really hot. It seemed like a good idea to test it, but it wasn't. That taught me that day that cigarette lighters are potentially dangerous things. And so now, even today, as an adult, many years later, if I have to plug in to the cigarette lighter to get, you know, something charging up and working, I still have this brain fear about what happened all those years ago. So when I pull the cigarette lighter out, the first thing I do is I bring it near to my face, near to my cheek, so I can feel if there's any heat in it. Only when I've done that will I put it down because I learnt from that mistake. Sometimes mistakes make us better people. We learn things from them. When the Israelites sent the spies out to the land of Canaan, 10 of the spies were whingy whiny morons who looked with human eyes only. Only two of them were looking at the situation in the knowledge that God has no limits. The sad result for that generation is they believed the 10 and not the two. Only those two, Joshua and Caleb, were able to move in to the promised land, but much later in life. They stood on God's word. Why? Because they developed a pattern of trusting God. 
God's word and knowing it are the best ways to ensure success. If God's word says yes, the answer is yes. The Greek word for yes means yes. If God's word says no, the answer is no. The Greek word for no means the same as the English word for no. It means no. If the word doesn't say yes, and the word doesn't say no, God doesn't mind. I remember some time back, talking about the present, I remember some time back, at that stage, I was trying to choose between two jobs. And I remember saying to God, Lord, should I go here or should I go here? And I was asking and asking and asking, and there was no answer. And I finally said, God, are you there? And I felt in my spirit, God's voice say, let the elevator go to the top. And I thought, what on earth does that mean? And he said, again, let the elevator go to the top. Whatever you choose, I will back it. The best takeaway from having made bad decisions is to choose to confer with God for all decisions. Don't make the mistake of thinking that God is only interested in the big things. God is interested in every single aspect of our lives. And the best part is God can even get good from a bad situation. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So even if you have, past tense, already made bad choices, there is still good to look forward to. My mum and my dad were two people who should never, ever have really gotten married. They were so different. My dad was a stubborn Buddhist. My mum was a God-fearing, loving Christian woman. In fact, as we record this sermon today, had my dad lived, it would have been his 80th birthday. I often joke to my mum that the only good thing that she got from her marriage to my dad was me. I'm not sure, and obviously now there's Tracy and Samuel and Indiana as well, but I'm, if, if Tracy, Indiana and Samuel were not there, I'm not sure that ha if my mum had her time over again, whether she would go through with that marriage. I have asked her because obviously I want her to say, yes, of course I would because I had you. But you can see with the hesitation there, not because I'm a pain or anything, but with the hesitation there, you can see what she went through. My dad wasn't overly happy for my mum to maintain her friendships. Marrying my dad also cost my mum her family in, 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 um, in effect because she had to move from the UK, sorry, move from Sri Lanka to the UK because of my dad's job. So she didn't have the connection with her parents, you know, phone calls in those days, you had to book the phone call to get an overseas call, not like today where you can just pick up your mobile and dial it. So there was a disconnect. She didn't know anyone here. And the few friends who did come over here, my dad wasn't overly happy with her to maintain those friendships. So there were lots of sacrifices that she had to make. But despite almost 40 years of marriage in a not particularly close marriage, the last 10 years with my dad were possibly um, the best ones because they got closer. And as my dad got sicker and sicker, I think that there was a realization that the woman that he had married, he completely lucked out in marrying her. 
because she was an absolute angel and were it not for her, his life would have ended a whole lot sooner. So even disastrous choices, and I say disastrous because can you imagine being married to someone who's difficult for that period of time? Anyway, even disastrous choices can end up being good, but only when God is part of the equation. Romans 8.28 is a promise and we need to claim it as one because we've all made bad choices. Finally, we come to the future. The future is a choice. Choose wisely. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, we have the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a parable that has bugged me for many years. It bugged me because I could never get my head around why Jesus would talk about five wise, which is okay, but five foolish. And what really bothered me was, why were they foolish? Was it because they they were foolish, they didn't take the extra olive oil? Or were they foolish because they didn't take the extra olive oil? I had been taught that they were fundamentally intellectually challenged. And it just didn't sit well with me because it was inconsistent with what scripture taught me. Scripture taught me that God looks at the heart, man looks at the outward appearance. So essentially, if Forrest Gump had had a sister and she was the same as him, and she was one of the five virgins, that would be quite unfair. Well, I decided to delve into it. And if we delve into it, in the context of letting go of the past, we find some very interesting verbiage. And we find it in Proverbs 8, verses 4 to 11. And it says, I call to you, all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, because I've got some important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare to it. Fundamentally, he says, everyone should be choosing to be becoming wise. We are taught to seek wisdom, as wisdom is of the highest value. There are some components here. We have information. Information is data. That data can come in many forms. It can come from people sharing it with us. It can come from reading. It can come from the news. It can come from experience. Then we move on to knowledge. Knowledge is applying that data and using it in everyday life. Then we have wisdom. Sometimes there is a time to use the data and a time to be quiet. And then we have power. It's interesting how all things in the Bible relate to each other, isn't it? You know, we had the power availability discussed in an earlier text in Mark eleven twenty-two to 25. An equation I have taught my children over the years is knowledge plus wisdom equals power. When Samuel was a bit younger, he got into Pokemon. And this is when Indy was quite young. And he really got into it. He was buying some of the fluffy toys and things. And weird things started happening in the house. It started happening in the house and it culminated 
in me waking up one night with a hand gripping my hand that hard, and there was no visible hand, it was freaky, um, it was gripping it that hard, my hand had gone to pins and needles. And at that stage, I'd been listening to a lot of sermons, and one of the, ser- one of the key tenets of those sermons was to speak, um, uh, speak power and speak uh, words over a situation. And one of them was about demonic activity. So I remember I'd heard it, and I said, get out, devil, I bind you in Jesus' name. Well, stopped immediately. My hand became free and, you know, I was able to go back to sleep. A little bit shaken, but go back to sleep. The next night, however, the same thing happened. Gripping my hand, something was gripping my hand. It was so tight and I woke up. And the only way I can describe this, for those of you who've ever seen the Muppets, do you remember Animal, the drummer? Except it wasn't a cute animal. It wasn't the funny looking animal. It was like a really angry looking animal. And it was bending over menacingly looking at Trace. And I said again out loud, get out devil, I bind you in Jesus name. And it disappeared. Well, I told Trace the next morning, and obviously she was very glad she didn't wake up and see whatever, what, what I saw. Um, and we started to track back, what on earth is going on in this house? And we worked out that it was connected to this Pokemon thing that Samuel had gotten into. And we researched it and we found that there's a lot of stuff behind Pokemon that was very unsavory. And I said to Samuel, I said, son, I know you really like this and I know it's difficult. We need to get this stuff out of the house. And he listened, he took, he took it on board and it was not an easy thing for such a young child to actually have to deal with. But we took it out of the house put it into a black bag, we dropped it into the garbage, we couldn't wait for the garbage people to come away and take it, and we never had a problem since. What has that taught me? That has taught me we have to be very careful about what we bring into the house. If we don't want our future to be impacted, we need to learn the lessons from the past and not repeat them. We don't repeat bad situations. The dictionary defines a fool as one lacking in wisdom and one who acts unwisely. We often, in today's world, interchange the word fool with stupid or idiot. However, by definition, stupid slash idiot has a rating based on your IQ. If you're below a certain IQ level, you're considered to be stupid, not in a derogatory term, in a descriptive term. Being a fool, however, is different. Being a fool is a choice. And that's why those five virgins were foolish. They didn't learn lessons from the past. In today's day and age, we're used to the bride being late. However, in that day and age, the bridegroom would come and collect the bride from her mother's and father's house and then take them away, to take the bride away to his house. So, When we're looking at travel in those days as well, travel wasn't as reliable as it is now. We didn't, you know, catch the 422 from central to wherever and just carry on from there. There was travel over a period of time. So it was a known thing that people would be late. Now, the five foolish ones were the ones who hadn't chosen wisdom. They hadn't taken the advice, take more oil. They hadn't learnt from previous weddings, 
take more oil. These intellectual midgets were the ones who just refused to learn and take in the information and turn it into knowledge by applying it and then use wisdom to recognize that the situation was right to employ that knowledge. Even though we are to let go of the past, we are to take the learnings from the lessons that have taken place and the situations that we have encountered and transpose them into our lives. In transposing these into our lives in a spiritual sense, our lives are transmogrified. We are forever changed. Just like I'm still wary around cigarette lighters, which is trivial enough, my many interactions with people have changed over the years. How I've interacted with them, who I let in, who I call friend. Apparently, I'm either wise by definition or I'm a fool. And I, don't, I know I don't want to be a fool. The future is a choice. When we're looking at lessons, Indy had to navigate last year a situation where some of her friends were wanting to play a game that she wasn't comfortable with, as it had demons and such like in it. And I'm not saying that, you know, anything other than this was her experience. She chose not to be a part of it. She essentially volunteered herself to be excluded in order to do, in order to do the right thing and protect her relationship with Jesus. She had the knowledge that demons are bad and demonic activity and glorification of demons are bad. She used that wisdom that she had acquired and she chose to stay, her, stay away from it. God blessed her. He not only took her through the situation, and it wasn't fun as she was going through it, but she has now developed greater resilience to the next challenge that comes along. You see, the challenges that we face help us get prepared for the next challenge and the next challenge. Every single time we take a stand, every single time we take data and we convert it into knowledge and we apply wisdom, we get more powerful every single time. And God allows us to have a bigger reach, a bigger experience, bigger blessings. Why? Because he knows he can trust us with it. The future is a choice choose it. Choosing wisdom guarantees a good outcome. The past is gone. We've got to let it go and learn from it. The present is now. Live it. Don't dwell on the past. Enjoy your life because that's what God wants for you. And the future is a choice, not only on this earth, but in the, in the earth and the heavens to come. Live it. That's my prayer today. In Jesus' name. Amen.